Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Glad to see you all here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so in the spirit of that heritage, one of the things we do on a Sunday morning to greet the divine is to welcome one another to this place. Let us say the words together by which we light our chalice, the symbol of our faith. We light the fire of truth and ask to be clear, wise, and humble enough to admit when we don't know. We kindle the warmth of community and ask for open-heartedness and patience. We are grateful to the spirit of life and ask to learn the secret to loving and being loved. Our call to worship this morning is by Dr. Maya Angelou, black American poet, dancer, memoirist, and civil rights activist. She writes, My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. This congregation wrote its own mission statement, and we revisit it every seven years, and we write it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday just to remind ourselves of what we are doing here. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. If you want to know more about what beloved community means, there is a poster in the fellowship hall that has a an explanation from the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Center that is the one we are going by. And now Kelly Stokes has our moment for beloved community. I'm looking a little differently at our mission statement these days, bringing the ends together a bit. We nourish souls to build the beloved community. Nourishing the soul is prerequisite to building the beloved community. I hadn't seen it that way before until I began thinking about spiritual practice this last November, right after the last election. I realized we had just one year left until the next big election coming up, and that judging by how hard the last one was, this year has the potential to be really difficult. I knew that we would need spiritual practices now as we go on through the year in order to be resilient by the time we get there and not sort of start hoping on November 1st that everything would be okay. I knew we'd need to up our game of self-care and spiritual care in order to make it through. I also realized that many of us feel traumatized by the political climate, but don't have as much at stake, aren't as vulnerable to the outcome as others. This helped me see that self-care and spiritual care are necessary not only for our own well-being, but so that we're able to show up for each other, to stay engaged, to stay kind and strong. A commitment to spiritual practice is a way to build hope and resilience, which we need if we're going to be able to show up with kindness and strength in these difficult times. We need to nourish our souls so that we can do the work of building beloved community. To help you do this, our adult religious education program is focusing on spiritual practices this year. We'll have classes and workshops during our first Sunday seminars. 
On the RE table right out there in the foyer, you'll find resources to take home. There's a big binder with lots of pockets filled with articles on spiritual habits and perspectives. There's a sign-out sheet for borrowing books that you'll find there as well. If you missed Reverend Chris and Lee's conversation last week about the practicalities of spiritual practice, I recommend reading or listening to it. You'll find a copy in the binder on the foyer table and a recording of it on our website or as a podcast on iTunes. One of my spiritual practices is listening to our sermons during my commute. In the middle of a Mopac traffic jam when I'm late for picking up my kids, I really need that dose of hope and resilience. I know that many of you have established spiritual practices, and we'd love to hear about them. If you'd like to teach a class or share your experience, please reach out to me. If you have an article that you find inspiring or helpful, send it to me, and if it's a good fit, I'll print copies to share. The most important part of our mission is the first word, together. Knowing that we enter this year together, nourishing our souls, transforming our lives, working hard for justice, building the beloved community together, this takes a potentially difficult year and turns it into a hopeful one. Happy New Year. Our meditation reading this morning is by Naomi Siab Nye, a poet born to a Palestinian father and an American mother. She began writing poems at the age of six. This poem, on the front cover of your order of service, is titled, Burning the Old Year. Letters swallow themselves in seconds. Notes, friends tie to the doorknob, transparent scarlet paper, sizzle like moth wings, marry the air. So much of any year is flammable. List of vegetables, partial poems, orange swirling flame of days. So little is a stone. Where there was something and suddenly isn't, an absence shouts, celebrates, leaves a space. I begin again with the smallest numbers. Quick dance, shuffle of losses and leaves. Only the things I didn't do crackle after the blazing dies. Let us enter together into an attitude of prayer and meditation where we speak or listen to God as we understand God or where we listen to our inner wisdom or where we just watch our breath come in and out of our bodies. It is in this still place that we might ask for clarity or seek to grow in compassion or feel ourselves held in the arms of love. Let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, tiny noises from children and the noises of life count as part of the silence. Today is our burning bowl service where we let go of things from the old year and get ready for the new year to bring what it's going to bring. Has it only been five days since this year started? Just, I feel like we've got stuff to burn from this year already.
So in addition to our own complicated lives and the complicated lives of those who are riding on the bus that we drive, meaning our family, our friends, people we're responsible for, um, we have all this turbulence and bitterness and dread and passion affecting us, tattering our spirits, filling us with stomach knots and worry. Some ministers, um, most many Unitarian Universalist churches have a burning bowl service right here at the beginning of the year, and there are Facebook pages where the ministers all talk to each other, and some were saying, well, I'm not doing a burning bowl this year because there's so much fire in Australia, and there's so much fire raining down on Iraq from our fighter planes, and we, um, we just don't need to add to the fire. And I think, you know, fire is not a tame thing. Fire is wild, and we are in relationship with fire as human beings, and we try to be responsible and use fire in a way that warms our homes and cooks our food Instead of, um, it's kind of like anger. You know, anger is good in certain proportions, but it can get out of control. Um, Our fire in the first service got out of control. (laughs) But it's under control now. But it was kind of a good metaphor because, um, I hope, because it looked really scary. And out of control, and uh, flames were, uh, we tried an experiment, which we won't try again. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bear was very brave, and, and Bill was brave, and uh, Bear carried the um, flaming thing outside. And now it is covered in aluminum foil so as to provide a place for us to drop our flaming things. Um, Really, it was before the burning bowl service started even that it went up in flames because the candles just decided to marry each other and join forces, which is what we should do always. (laughs) Our single flames join together and um, we can make a difference in this world only. uh, So I'm hoping that this, uh, this... Time is uh, very scary, and I hope that someone will take this fire and carry it outside and not uh, let it burn everything down. So in order, we do a burning bowl not um, just for ourselves. We do this for one another as well because when we are holding on to hurts and pain and resentments and expectations and guilt. We have a lot of um, attention that's being drained away from our lives and away from showing up for one another. As Kelly said, these are going to be difficult times, and we got to show up for each other. And, um, and it's harder even to notice each other if our attention is all on, oh, uh, uh, somebody slapped me, uh, like in our story, or someone hurt my feelings, or... Um, I, my kids aren't acting like I want them to, or my parents aren't acting like I want them to. My siblings are not doing what they should be doing. And um, 
It helps us to be lighter in the world if we can give some of what's draining our attention to the fire. And so that's what we do today. We want to travel light. And the other thing is we want to be focused. And so when you come to the table, I'm, I'm wanting everybody to kind of come this way, but logistics are not my forte. So um, if you all could kind of get that generally in mind and be communitarian about it, um, that would be lovely. But you have a piece of flash paper, and if you don't, there's a basket of them here that you just want to take one. Trust me on this. <laughs> I'll give a demonstration in a minute. But let me talk to you about some things to let go of. So when you let go of a hurt, it's not a little thing. It's not a casual thing. Because letting go of a hurt often means that there's some demands on your future now. You let go of a hurt that you've been carrying that someone did, and then you have to, if they're still living, you have to say, I forgive you, which they might welcome or they might not. They might say, I didn't do anything. It was your fault. Then you have something else to let go of. And you have a demand on your future that you be more open to them um, in some way, that you don't just put a curse on them, make up your mind about them, that you are open to them. Sometimes you have to keep away from them if you you know them, because they're probably not going to change. But you can let go of the resentment toward them. It's interesting to me... That when someone says, I want to be able to trust you, it sometimes means, I want you to act the way that I think you should act. But you can trust them to be themselves. You can trust them to be themselves and to continue being themselves. That's what you can trust. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's not. So let's start with expectations, or let's go on to expectations. You have an expectation of yourself. And sometimes um, it would be so liberating to let go of that expectation. For example, I am paperwork phobic, and... I have to let go of the expectation of myself that I will be able to do my own paperwork. I have to delegate that in my professional life, which fortunately we have a wonderful staff here and I can say, please fill this out and and get it ready for my signature. Um, In my personal life, it costs money. I have to pay somebody to do my taxes because I'm not ever going to do them myself. And I probably could go to a course or something and have a tutor and get better at it. But I'm like a one at doing my own taxes, and with a tutor and a year of study, I could get to be a two. Why would I spend a year that way? Why don't I just pick something that I'm an eight at and take a course and get a tutor and get to be a ten at it? Does that make sense? That's a much better use of my time because then I can be, you know, world class at something. I haven't figured out what it is yet, but (laughs) it's not paperwork. I'll tell you that right now. 
And we all have expectations of other people. We have a dream for this other person. I have a dream for this other person that they're going to stop drinking. I have a dream for this other person that they're going to be kind all the time. I have a dream for this other person. They're not going to be so negative or they're not going to um, notice all the flaws in things or, uh, or that they will notice the flaws in things and do something about them. And we all have dreams for our kids and for our peers, for our friends, for our partners, for our parents. We're all hoping for things, but we can trust them to be themselves And so it might be liberating to let go of some of those expectations of other people, too. And so you may want to just let that go to the fire. Letting go doesn't mean giving up. It doesn't mean not caring. But it means having a certain stance that I'm going to disengage from this whole mess Because I can't do anything else about it. Still care about it. Still would do something about it if I could. Can't. Letting go of uh, expectations of a person is hard enough, but letting go of a person? Mm. It's a lot harder. Rabbi Edwin Friedman has written a wonderful book called Friedman's Fables. And in one of the fables, it's called The Bridge. Um, A man is walking out of town on his way to another village and a traveler approaches and the traveler has a rope um, tied around his waist. And he says, hey, um, can you hang on to the end of this rope for a minute? I got something I need to do. And our walker says, okay. And he holds onto the rope and the man jumps off the bridge. And he's dangling there in this chasm. The, the, the water is pretty far down there. Rocks spray. And he's just swinging there. And the guy says, what are you doing? He said, I'll be back up in a minute. I'll be okay. Yeah. Don't worry about me. I'll be up. I'll be up in a few. And the guy's like, I, I can't hold you for very long. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll let you know when I want to come back up. And the guy's holding onto the rope and it's getting tiring. And there's no place on the bridge to, you know, tie it off. And there's no way the guy could climb back up the rope if he didn't haul him up. And the guy says, just don't let me go or I'll die. And our walker is like, oh, God, I don't want you to die. I, I, I'm, uh, come on back up. I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't hold you any longer. The guy says, well, just a few minutes. I'll let you know. Finally, what does he do? He has to let go. Because when someone is eating your life and it's not making them any better, it's not good for either one of you. It's hard to let a person go. Then, there's another part of this ritual. On the other side of the table, after you let something go, there's a bowl filled with words. What are those for? They're for replacing the thing you let go with another area of focus. 
You don't want to just let it go and do nothing because it might come back. In which case, you can let it go again. Everybody's got a fire. But this is not a sweet little ritual. This has responsibilities with it. Responsibilities to forgive, responsibilities to move forward in a different way, responsibilities to accept or expect change. These words, you might be a person who believes that the universe or the keeper of the details has a word specially for you, and it has some meaning that you would draw it today. And if you want to believe that with me, that's fine. Um, If you don't feel like you can believe that, that's also fine. Game theory says that if you think of a word or pull a tarot card image or some kind of throw of the dice or whatever, it says that your thinking about a problem is always going to be the same as your thinking about the problem. And in order to knock your thinking about the problem or the question off of dead center, you might need another image or a word. So if you pull a tarot card, say, and it's a, a... a guy carrying too many big sticks, and the meaning of it is you bring more to the situation than is required, then you can think about the problem you're thinking about. Like, am I bringing more to the situation than is required, or somebody else bringing more? What does that mean? What does that even mean? And your thinking will be different from your normal on-the-center thinking. Does that make sense? So this word is for you to put next to a problem or a question you're pondering right now. And it might help you have a focus or knock your thinking off dead center. And take the word with you. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace, go shining. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.